Matt Vincent is a two times Highland Games world champion. Fucking teaching your kids, you know, pretending that you're telling them how to chase their fucking dreams and be their best while well, you're fucking average, ain't it? Owner and creator of Not Dead Yet Apparel, host of the Not Dead Yet podcast. Not having that thing was terrifying because that's what I see in other people is that all of a sudden, like, they reach this point in their lives where they just fucking stop. And they just slowly get fucking fatter and do the same fucking things every day of their life. And I'm terrified of that. Matt inspires and equips others to eliminate their bullshit and live the rest of their lives to the fullest. He died at 62 and I was 31. And I really took a look at that as like this halfway through my life. And what did that mean? If I am halfway through it, then what the fuck are we doing with this thing? Are we just riding it out like with the next most comfortable thing or are we going to take the fucking wheel? Before we begin today's episode, I would really appreciate a review on whatever podcast platform you are listening to this on. This helps to get the message out there to men and therefore encourage and inspire them to level up their life. So without further ado, this is the Modern Warrior Podcast. I am your host, Gavin Meenan, thank you for tuning in. Matthew, absolutely delighted to have you here, my man. I have been doing my research on you, an incredible story, a brilliant brand. And that's where I want to start this conversation from, is the Not Dead Yet brand. Yeah, man. And my first question to you is, tell me about a time where you did feel dead or at least close to death and how did you begin to come back to life from that period so at the end of 2016 i decided to kind of get one of my knees cleaned up i'd been competing in the scottish highland games for about eight years and had won a couple world championships but things were not going the best way this knee was becoming a problem where i couldn't quite extend it all the way just due to it didn't have an ACL and hadn't for a long time, and I just ground it to death. And so as I can't extend the knee if you're a thrower, right, like I can't push my hip around, and so I'm not generating force. So decide, all right, into 2016, we're going to go in, clean this knee up, take a year off for rehab, and then get back to it. And uh, it didn't quite work out that way. And so I ended up having nine surgeries altogether and ending with a total knee replacement. And so... Uh, you know, through that three-year window, man, I really lost kind of everything. I'd lost, you know, my identity connected to being an athlete. I'd lost, you know, the sport that I had competed in. I lost the community of guys that I had formed this brotherhood and tribe with. Uh, and then I'd lost, you know, this physical aspect of my being and the ability to train. Like, so my stress management and kind of everything went out of the window. And so I could see you know, the writing on the wall about how, how this is going to go if I'm not able to get out of chronic pain. I, I could see that the future for me doesn't look great and or very long, if I'm really honest about it, that kind of making some amends to if this is how life is from here going forward that I don't know that I'll be able to deal with it really well. And uh, so, yeah, I got really scared got really scared of what that future looks like and when I will end up losing that call and and having to make a really fucking stupid decision of taking my own life or doing something else dumb. Um, 
but I knew that surviving and walking around with a cane and not being able to do the things I love, I, I, at that point, like, I just couldn't figure out any puzzle to understand it. And so from that moment, right, like, if I know that not solving this problem kills me, well, then everything's on the table for a chance to figure it out. And so at that point, I kind of went into everything, everything I could to dig out of that hole by taking action and working on myself and trying to figure out how to mitigate pain through managing my diet better, getting, you know, using cold plunge and breath work uh, <clears throat> drew me kind of to everything. And so embracing, you know, the end of one chapter and being having gratitude for it, for everything it's ever done for you, you know, allows you to take those tools and move forward. But that fear that I was stuck in was what kept me thinking that I was beholden to be this person that I had created up until that point, that I needed to be this athlete, that I needed to have certain strength numbers for me to be respectable to myself, right? This was my own self-confidence I'm dealing with. I never really gave much of a fuck about the outside view of it, but my own identity, my own self-worth was connected to all these things. And so when I felt all those things kind of go away, it was either get crushed by that or I could lean in to figuring out what else we can do and how else can I rebuild to be able to kick that guy's ass. And, um, you know, that moment of like, well, we're not fucking dead yet, so we're still in the hunt. Like, we're still here to fight. We're still got air in our lungs and fucking fire in our heart. You know, embrace that second chapter of life instead of just saying stuck beholden to something that we were. You know, that allows me to be fucking stronger for the next change is going to come too because they're going to keep coming. And so that's that's what built the brand. You know, that feeling, that drive of, you know, my purpose of why it's worth doing all these things, why it's worth pushing myself to be better than average and figure out the best of who I can fucking be. Mm -hmm. So the old identity died in that process. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it feels very, like a very odd part of me now. It feels like memories that have been put away in the right places. Um, but so much of the way that guy thought and the way that guy felt seems very foreign at this point, which is interesting. But I guess, you know, at some point in the last chapter two, around my 30s, I would have felt the same way about the way high school me thinks. Mm -hmm. And so just being able to embrace that change and look at look it in the eye instead of have to fucking have it drag me through it which I think all men struggle with. Yeah. Was there a defining moment in the pro process for you where you began to realize that, or was it an accumulation of these practices over a period of time and then over a period of time you came to the realization? Was there like a light bulb moment or an epiphany of some sort? Yeah, after being hurt, man, I could just, I could see this life that I had built at that point, right, like this. That was the end of me getting to travel and compete in this thing. That was the end of that camaraderie I had. It was it was the end of what I felt was the exceptional part of my life at that point. And I could just see normalcy in front of me. And, uh, man, it, it, it's not for me. It's not for me. Like, I, I, need, I need more stimulation than that, and I need more challenge to be at my best, and I need a little bit more discomfort. And I'm really bad in routine. Like, if I get stuck in that every routine where I can't decipher one week from the next, man, my life just disappears and I'll get more self-destructive. I'll fucking do things to disconnect, like drink or eat like a bag of shit. 
But if I've got something that I'm pursuing, man, I, I have a reason to be at my best for it. Because without that chase, man, there's nothing. And so, like, I couldn't see that chase anymore. And I, that's when I decided, like, I've got to pick it, and I've got to pick something that's got legs to it. And that thing was just trying to make the best version of me that I can. How did that begin to evolve? First would probably be some awareness stuff of, um, you know, realizing how bad chronic pain I was in and what that was already doing to my body. So probably the first thing was deciding to clean up my nutrition, that I can take full control of that. I remember being laying there, man, with a shit knee and from surgeries and still being fat from competing, but now I'm not strong anymore, right? Like, so what are we doing? And that's one of the two ways you go as a strength athlete. You either retire and you show everyone that the food thing was a real problem that you didn't have a control over, or you did it because you were getting better at a sport. And I've always wanted mine to be because I was getting better at a sport, <laughs> but I only have to deal with that at the end of the story. Do you know what I mean? So it was time to fucking sort that out. So I leaned into doing anything I could there. I got on board with a nutrition coach. Uh, Jesse Burdick worked with me for a while, and then I'd worked with Hybrid. Um, uh, tried macro stuff, but I'm, I'm man, I'm just too bag. I'm too much of a bag of shit for it. Like I'll I'll cheat. I just yeah. will. And so switching up to something like ketogenic really was something that set some boundaries for me that I was able to keep. And I'd noticed a remarkable difference in how my leg felt from doing it. And so at that moment, right, like I've got some realization that I'm doing something different and seeing a positive, positive change from it. So pour the fucking coals on. Like I just need a, I just need a whisper before I'll run full speed. And so that took care of that. Um, after that was carnivore. And then, you know, the next was as things kind of got to a more manageable pain level that I could do some more things and weight was starting to come off. Yeah, it was pain management, and I need to figure out something that's not going to be opiates as I've got quite a number of surgeries that are lined up here. Um, so I, I leaned into cannabis, and it was a huge help for me. It was a huge help for me for my mood, for the people I was around, um, all those things for just the way that I spoke to myself. It also, I mean, for those that those that don't know like using cannabis as a tool for awareness of being able to kind of dig deep into anxiety or whatever else you're feeling like a gateway drug that's it right it's the one that opened the doors for me being able to have different conversation with myself and realize that some of the habits and things i've got that are really shitty i don't have to continue to choose to do and and you know there's some point where i guess i felt like those were me mm -hmm. Like, you know, like, well, I'm a guy who does this. You know, I'm a guy that gets angry when he's frustrated. <laughs> and realize that, oh, you don't fucking have to be, and you can rewrite every fucking story you want about yourself. So once once cannabis kind of came into the picture and was really helpful for that, and, you know, that really shifted a paradigm for me of, I really believe that that was something that would ruin my life based on the culture I was brought up around. Mm -hmm. And I've seen nothing but the opposite when used the correct way. Interesting. And so I, at, at, at that point, then it's like, fuck it, no one knows what they're talking about. I've got I've to experiment and figure it all out on my own. And I get the sense, and I've, I've been through a similar journey myself, where I started 
training, started doing martial arts, went on to powerlifting. And on reflection, a lot of that, most of that was driven by a pain of an insecurity I had deep within. Um, mm. Insecure about my physical appearance or insecure about my my strength, feeling weak because I was bullied in the past. So as you're going through this process of killing off this old identity that you had, and of course you're going through this process of getting to know yourself more, what were some of the insecurities that were a driving factor for what you did with the Highland Games and, and the World Championships and all that, the, the strongman stuff you did? Did you did you come to realize what that was? You know, I I got into all those things just simply because I like training for stuff and I'd loved the camaraderie of it and throwing I've loved since I was twelve years old. And so um I don't know what level of insecurity brought me to sport. I got I got really lucky, man. My parents were awesome. I really wasn't driven to sport as much as uh, my brother was a super successful athlete and ended up playing for a few years in the NFL, doing some pro strongman, some pro Highland games as well. And so I really got to see this awesome blueprint five years in front of me that like athletics are this thing that are a really good benefit and everyone seems to be stoked on you doing it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, luckily enough, I'm, you know, athletic and getting, you know, and very strong naturally, those type of things. And so was able to really play to a lot of those strengths and that built a lot of confidence that built me the accountability to, to see that whenever I worked hard over a long period of time, it actually paid off. So I got this really cool blueprint of how to get shit done mm. that, you know, I, I wasn't able to really understand that that's what I was learning throughout the process. Right. But upon reflection of all that. You know, after the bitterness has worn off that I don't get to compete in the things I've wanted to, you know, that's where the insecurities lied, right? They're like, no, fuck, if I'm not doing the Highland Games, will anyone give a shit about the things I have to say or do? You know, if I'm not strong, you know, if I'm not as strong anymore as I, you know, held that line for believing I needed to be, why would anyone pay attention or care about my message anymore? Like, I quit, right? Is it like, so? Is, is it is it self-respect then? Would it be self-respect? would have been the underlying insecurity that if you're not strong, you're not competing, you're not winning, people are not going to respect sure. you as much. Sure. Why? Yeah. Why would they? You know, I'm just doing the same shit everyone else is doing. Mm. And and to me, that one, that the being average thing is where the insecurity lies. You know, the being mediocre, like not having a thing to pursue to, to feel my best at, like something that I can chase mastery of, like, like that's, that's the thing I fucking miss. Mm -hmm. And so not having that thing was terrifying because that's what I see in other people is that all of a sudden, like they reach this point in their lives where they just fucking stop and they just slowly get fucking fatter and do the same fucking things every day of their life. And I'm terrified of that. And so I, I, I could see the end of the, those were the things I was doing to keep my nine to five as I had a regular corporate job at that time. Right? Like, these were that thing that I had on the side that was exceptional. And I could just see that going away. And then I don't have any real proof of being exceptional anymore at that point. So the, the more insecurity part is that, you know, that I am actually average. And I'll have to fucking deal with that at some point. There's a, there's a sense that you've, you lose a purpose as well. Yeah. Lose oh, yes, man. Because, yeah. you know, that's everything, right? You know, your why. I mean, that's why... 
know, the not dead yet thing is what's in big value to me, right? Like the why is because I got a fucking shot right now. Why is I'm I'm alive? Like the why is I've got opportunity. Like I've got a roof on my head, a fucking computer to talk to someone. You know, there's no get down on yourself. It's figure it out. Make moves forward. Get your ass kicked a little bit. It's going to happen. And so may as well be ready for some ass kickings. So what did uh, what did that next chapter of your life begin to look like? You you obviously don't do the Highland Games anymore. So what did you begin to chase in replacement of that? That's now become your life. Yeah, so I kind of, everything changed, man. Um, I got a divorce. I moved uh, across the country and kind of started over. Um, at that divorce. point, it was... Hmm? You got a divorce? Got a divorce, yeah. I was married for 13 years up to that point, and uh, I wanted to really lean into going after this style of a life, and it really wasn't for her. Okay. And so I love the life I've got, man, where I get to travel and talk to people and find influence and be inspired and pursue my dreams. Um, but it's busy. <laughs> and if it's not your thing and you do want a more regular thing, yeah, it's fucking terrible to be dragged through. And so it just wasn't a fit anymore. So so letting go of that was was that the first step? Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, what a fucking loser, right? I got a divorce. I remember feeling that. And then realizing that's not true. Oh, yeah. What a, what a winner because you had the courage to do so. Right. That's the other one. That's a perspective shift that I get to choose from it, right, is that I know that I'm not scared to hit the fucking detonate button and that if it's, I won't suffer through mediocrity, I won't suffer through something that I'm holding on to for someone else. Yeah. You find that you probably had to be someone else in her presence? You couldn't be your true self with her? No, I always was, which makes it, if she's not (laughs) one to deal with it, not great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I can see that. I just am not great at turning it off, so it makes me a bit of a cunt. <laughs> and, and her eyes. Yeah, right. And she's got a right to that perspective, too. Yeah, just not aligned. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot fucking living with me. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a fucking lunatic, I'm aware. <laughs> what does that life of lunacy look like? I'm kind of go, 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 man. Um, I I take a lot of freedom, man, and I, you know, the the life I want to live, right? So when I get up in the morning, whatever time that is, I can go straight to the gym. I can come up here and kind of get to work and do the things I want to do. We travel a lot. Uh, You know, on a whim yesterday, we decided to go camp tonight. Like I want freedom to kind of make those decisions to pursue the life I want to live. You know, I'm in a unique spot, man, of I'm a 40-year-old guy doing pretty well and I don't have any kids. And so... I'm going to take a full advantage of that run of life that has fallen in my lap, you know what I mean, of having some freedom to be able to go and do and pursue and make sure that I stay being the best me instead of just falling in. So, yeah, man, it's a lot. I I bounce around. I'm fucking ADD. I'm pretty bad. And it's kind of nonstop from the moment I wake up to the time I'm asleep. I'm pretty all go. There you, I get the sense you're just, you're just squeezing as much juice out of this life as you possibly can. But I That's also, plan. yeah, I also understand that your father's passing was a massive influence in all this too. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
you know, my dad died um, the day before my birthday in April of 2014. And uh, yeah, as I turned 40 this year, like it's more and more interesting reflections on it. You know, at that time, him him passing, uh, he died at 62 and I was 31. And I really took a look at that as like this halfway through my life. And what did that mean? If I am halfway through it, then what the fuck are we doing with this thing? Are we just riding it out like with the next most comfortable thing or are we going to take the fucking wheel and make some hard turns to see where they go because you're fucking dead either way you're fucking dead either way man you know he lived a very normal life raised two kids and did all that and fucking cancer killed him 11 months and so that means that that's an opportunity of how this whole thing fucking works out for me. No matter what my plan is, no matter what my intentions are, all the best decisions made, money saved, money put away, years of grinding, any of that means I may get fucking cancer and die in 11 months. So now's the fucking time to rip. You know, and if I've got at 31 the same amount of time that he had left, it's 1,612 weeks. That's fucking fast, man. That's fucking fast. So what am I risking it? Like, it's it's not a risk to fucking go for it. Yeah. Risk is just fucking saying I could have or I fucking would have done this differently or being fucking scared to take a risk and get your ass kicked. Like, man, you learn from the beatings. You learn more about who you are. You get better at everything. You get better at communicating ideas because you have fucking experience. So, yeah, man, his passing was a lot. It was a lot, and... Yo, you don't know when the time's gonna run out, but it's gonna. Like, I don't have any fucking guarantees that I get back to this office tomorrow. Yeah. You can be grateful as well that you have been able to derive those lessons from your father's passing. Yo, there's nothing but gratitude for it at this point, right? Like, I'm aware that, you know, maybe if my dad doesn't die, right? Like, maybe I don't make this fucking hard turn in my life. Maybe I don't build a brand. Maybe I don't pursue... Highland Games the way I did. Maybe I don't write any books. Maybe I don't fucking get divorced and I stay fucking doing this average thing because I'm scared of some disappointment that I may have to hear from him. Mm -hmm. But perhaps this is what gave me the freedom to fucking run. And so you know, I'm not wasting that either. But either way, right? Like whether it's that or I'm supposed to live some fucking life according to his idea to honor his memory, whatever someone chooses, right? Because of the passing of their parents. Yeah, that's your perspective. And your perspective is your choice, and that will shape the fucking reality in which you live in. But pretending that that other person has made that choice of how you're, you're living is fucking crazy. Like, that isn't how it works. It's on you. Mm -hmm. You may not be comfortable, but you got to be the one at the wheel. Why are so many men reluctant to take the wheel in life today? Failure's fucking scary, dude. Failure's scary, and so is change. I mean, these are both things that you know, seem like failure. You know, once you kind of have this, you know, fallacy of sunk cost, right? Or sunk time, right? That that whole idea that like, well, I've spent fucking 10 years becoming this. Like, I just have to do something else now. Like, well, yeah, be something else. You know, you're not still a fucking high school football player, right? Like, you're not still the guy you were in your 20s. You're not still doing whatever that thing is. <clears throat> and so it's really strange because at some point, there's a bunch of those things that end chapters for us automatically. High school ends, and then we stop seeing those people, right? College ends, and you stop seeing those people throughout time, and you build 
a community through the people you work with or the people from your gym or any of this, or you don't. But what I don't see a lot is many men actually take the fucking step of saying, I want to do a new thing. I want to go be bad at something. I need to learn to take a fucking beating again. I need to fucking build confidence in myself. I need to not just fucking settle into this mediocrity of you're doing this great fucking job. Like, man, like I don't have kids, right? But like fucking teaching your kids, you know, pretending that you're telling them how to chase their fucking dreams and be their best while you're fucking average, ain't it? You know, that's never going to win out over the actions you fucking take. Yeah. And you've, you've lived it. You've lived that. You've gone through those changes. You've had to change your identity and you've, I'm sure you've fucked up and failed along the way. Plenty. Yeah. Yeah, plenty. I've fucked up a lot of stuff. I just try not to fuck things up twice. <laughs> That's the key, yeah. Try. I fucking try, man. They're tricky. Yeah. <laughs> what What was the uh, the one thing that um, you might have fucked up, but when you reflect back on it, that fuck up actually became a catalyst to success in your life? Um, hmm. Yeah, my... my my last marriage, I fucked that up. Yeah, I fucked that up. Uh, prior to that, I fucked up running a, like a small business in my early 20s, a bicycle shop. Just in too deep and couldn't fucking admit to anybody what was fucked up out of insecurity. And then, you know, in that relationship with with her, um, yeah, I was just too caught up in being fucking hurt and narcissistic and trying to disconnect from the reality that I didn't want to deal with. You take 100% responsibility for the breakup of the relationship? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Does that... Nah, she's, she's great. Um, I know that I was in trouble, and so, like, I forgive me making shitty decisions because I can choose not to make any more shitty decisions the same way I can choose to not be the guy who was competing in the Highland Games. Right? So it's my actions I've got now that dictate who the fuck I am. And so being able to realize I've got the control of those and I've got the awareness to see those things starting to brew from further out. Like, yeah, man, that catalyst changed a lot. That that shifted the awareness and the same awareness that, you know, how I would look at, like, lifting or throwing, right? Like, I don't look at that with an emotional lens to it. I just correct the fucking problem. So trying to do that, but, you know, point it toward this idea of what my best self would do. And so... Yeah, don't make those same fuck-ups. So what uh, what do your relationships look like today, based on what you've learned from that marriage? Uh, my wife, Bonnie, um, is great. Uh, she's, she's listening, she's, so be careful. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> she's every bit as crazy as I am. Yeah. And in all the ways I love. That she's not easily put in a box like she's all over the map with things that she's into and has other interests and she has her own life and her own ambitions and her own drive that don't have anything to fucking do with me. She has her own dreams that don't have anything to do with me. Now we're running parallel, right? Like she's not behind me and I'm not behind her, but we're both interested in going the same fucking direction as fast as we can. And we'll always talk about what direction that wants to go, but man, I know that Neither one of us need each other. And so that means I choose that person. And I want to make sure I always choose that person. 
that every day it's a choice that this is who I want to be with. I don't give a fuck what the other options may be. I believe being around this person and their energy make me the best version of me that I can be. And so we, we keep a very honest relationship that there isn't anything we're not allowed to talk about. And we can hear those things from each other with, without that lens of being attacked, right? Because anything my partner was trying to say to me, she's not trying to hurt my feelings. Because if my partner was trying to hurt my feelings, fuck you. But we don't talk to each other that way. I'm trying to communicate. And if I hurt your feelings, I'm sorry, but it was poor communication, not my intent. And so that makes it forgivable and for you able to respond to a person and listen without feeling attacked by things. And so that we're able to communicate in that way at all times about everything. We talk about our money. We talk about our interests sexually. We talk about what our goals and aspirations are. And we can tell each other when we need to slow down. You know, I, I love that I've got an open, you know, an open and honest relationship to the point where if I say, hey, I need to go to the woods for a few days, there isn't anything but support. I don't have to justify a thing or get permission to go do that. And nor does she. Like it's a two-way street. Like she's fucking awesome before I met her. No reason for me to show up and start fucking things up. I'm just here to help wherever she needs it, not <laughs> make, it, make her in any different yeah. way. You had to get awesome before you met her though, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. I, was, I got very housebroken in the previous 13-year marriage and in very good ways. Like, I understand why picking up and all that shit matters. Like, I'm super glad Bonnie didn't try to move in with 20-year-old me. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I took a lot of the good stuff I got here with. What were some of the things that you had to uh, remove from your life, be it habits or behaviors or actions or things you've changed since you've moved on with uh, your new wife? Um, habits and behaviors. Uh, you know, I've worked from home a long time, but I also am aware that like I need alone time. And so in my previous marriage, my wife had a job. So she was out of the house most of the day while I was home doing my thing. And then I trained in the garage. I do pretty good like that, but I do need there to be time where I'm just in my own head. Uh, I kind of get the best out of myself there. And so that whenever Bonnie and I got together and we were living in tighter quarters first, you know, sharing a, sharing a room at a friend of hers house. And then we got an apartment where, you know, I actually had an office and then now have built studio and dope here at the gym and our space. It's been great. You know, that's one of those things I realized from going from one to the other that like that habit I need, like I need a space that's mine to be my best in. So no matter what that looks like for me, like I need to build somewhat of my own universe and my own spaceship somewhere that I can feel my best and be the safest and fucking try new things and push myself. Um, the habits I've tried to get rid of is, uh, man, any of the built in fucking gender shit that I've had in my head, right. Of like, she handles this and I handle that stuff or like, any of that bullshit of like, oh, the washing, washing and drying of clothes just automatically gets done by this wonderful human that lives with me. And so I'm aware that like I've got to unbreak a pattern because I don't see those things anymore. Like they've been done a long fucking time. And so like I lost gratitude for that too. 
And so now, you know, even though that there are some things because she works out of the house most of the day, she does a lot of her stuff there. And so making sure that I am taking time to say thank you for all those things. And when I am at the house, not being a piece of shit in my eyes, like, uh, you know, if there's dishes, don't just fucking wait for those to get picked up by that other person. Do it right fucking now. You're not that busy. Or grab the fucking broom and run it around the house real quick. You know it's really appreciated. And so, like, reminding myself to do better at a lot of those things has been great. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, more self-destructive habits, right? Like, I've, you know, quit trying to be shitty to myself. I was shitty to myself for a long time and, you know, looked for outside attention online or any of that and had fucking girls flirt with me and that type of shit. And I realized what I'm doing, right? Like, I'm disconnecting. Like, it's just the fucking dopamine thing. Like, I don't give a... It's not like I give a fuck. It's just wanting some kind of external validation because I believed I had provided so much, if you will. <laughs> yeah, I've seen those shots of you in your uh, in your boxers, man. Oh, I'm glad. Sliding into DMs, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of men, though, as you're, as you're talking there, there's a lot of men I know who are stuck in that previous situation that you were in with your previous marriage and in your own perspective when do you know it's time to to leave when do you know it's time to separate or get divorced yeah it's got to be different for everyone right um i was afraid that if we didn't i knew that resentment would eventually build and then then you're fucked man like as soon as you resent each other like it's no good you know and for me like i could find myself even because I was having these struggles of what I was feeling about divorce or anything else or my relationship that, you know, of course I wasn't voicing any of that with her. And so, you know, I'm confiding in some other, somebody else, right? And like, so that alone, like, yo, that's fucking cheating. You fuck. So, I mean, like, man, it, as much as I want to say it's communication, right? But it's, you also have to have the tools to communicate. And at that age, I didn't. Things were still such a challenge and I've, you know, because that relationship started when I was 22, right? Like there were a lot of preset rules by the time I was 30 of how we communicate with each other and those type of things. And so making damn sure that I don't bring any of those habits with me forward. So I don't know where the original question was. I got lost a bit there. That's all good. I was asking, when do you know oh, it's time to leave? Yeah, I think like resentment, man. Like, if you fucking resent your partner, like, you also got to accept some rules, right? Like, the, this this shouldn't be this dichotomy of this is someone I spend the rest of my life with or I never speak to again. Like, <laughs> this person shouldn't be on that razor thin of a fucking line to you. Do you know what I mean? Like, this ought to be someone that, like, we could probably still be best friends, right? Because we love each other and we have this great shared history and all these type of thing if you can remove the hurt. Yeah. I'm laughing, but that's so fucking true, man. Well, yeah, I mean, how many people ride that thin fucking line with the person they're with? Because they can't just deal with this tiny piece of how we got along didn't quite fit. That doesn't mean it's the full fucking garbage person, that I just can't be around them, or me being around them is some reflection of me being a shittier me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and if you didn't let go... At that point, you wouldn't have gained what you have today. So there's often the uh, the paradox of, 
paradox of change where you perceive change as being something negative as opposed to something that's opportunistic or going to be positive as you move forward. So if you had envisioned what would have happened after the divorce, you probably would have made the change much quicker. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, who knows, man? It was a, I mean, there's a ton of fear, right? Of, you know, this idea of chasing this life I have now versus what I was doing, right? Like, I mean, it's not like anyone told me that was a good idea. No one, no one that I spoke to thought that was the thing I should do because yeah, I wasn't in a bad marriage. I just, I wasn't happy. And there was a lot of that to do with me that I didn't quite grasp at the time. Um, now I do, right? But here we are. Without going through that, I don't get here. Um, but yeah, man, embracing that fucking change that, like, it's got to come. Like, there's got to be a time where you let go and decide, I want to be this better version of myself. You know, what are the actions I can take? How do I become the next chapter, right? Because, dude, the the coolest thing happening in your story when you're fucking 30 is a terrible book. That's like the third chapter of life. If the greatest thing happens in that book on chapter three, it's fucking terrible. We just, we just talk about that for the next fucking six chapters? Like, no way. The hero keeps learning. The hero, the hero keeps going on to find more dragons to slay. Bigger, stronger dragons. Climb fucking bigger mountains. Find out more about yourself. That's what, what I'm into. What does, uh, what does your chapter look like now? What are you writing on this current chapter? Um, right now there's a really big awareness of future. And so I, I'm focused a lot on trying to make good plans for that guy to have options. You know, turning 40 was the first kind of like, oh shit, like, uh, I mean, any of the cute childish shit that I could still do when I was 30 just fucking isn't a good look anymore. So get your shit together. Right? Like, I probably need to have a will. Like, I probably have adult things that I should fucking get done. So, owning up, being a fucking man, doing those things, getting those things sorted, right? And then the other is, like, building passive income and building a fucking business that'll give us the life that we want. Because the story we want, right? Like, is we love experience and we love getting to travel and see things, so we need to build a world that's able to do that. Um, You know, and if that able to do that you know for both of us i think both of us want to have chapters in this story where we live outside of the u.s i think it would be really eye-opening and just perspective shifting as a whole to a lot of different things not like i fucking hate it here you know the u.s has been great americans are real strange um you know the but i think the general population is probably very strange to me and I don't think that'll matter really what country I'm in. But there are some other places we want to explore. Uh, we want to explore Colombia a bit. And I know we really like the areas around South Africa where we were. And Ireland. Uh, I, perhaps Ireland, yeah. Cold and rainy is just fucking how <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Um, hardy weather. Hardy weather. That's the way they call it. Um, but yeah, I think living outside of my home country is a, probably a fucking good thing for me. Is there any chapters there in your own book that you would go back and rewrite or edit even? Mm. Um, so like my own personal philosophy, no fucking way, but for the sake of conversation, mm-hmm. right? Because like any, any small change you make alters everything. 
Uh, I'd like to take another crack at running a bike shop with the information that I have now. But still, like, I still would want the zest that I had for trying to do that at 25, if that makes sense. Because mm-hmm. I think 40-year-old me in the current world I'm in, like, opening a brick-and-mortar store is just not going to be stoked on the idea of it. So I need, like, that kid to have my knowledge. Yeah. So I'd love to see how that story played out. Especially when, you're dealing, especially when you're dealing with the strange Americans on a daily basis. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> that kid with my brain is very interesting. Yeah. Um, oh, man, he makes a lot of way different decisions. <laughs> but here we are. You know, I needed to get beat in those situations, I guess, to get here, right? Like, um, yeah, the you know, whatever alternate timeline that I don't get hurt and injured and have to go through this now, curious. I'd love to know how that worked out. You know, if the plan went according to, I'll take this year off and rehab this ACL and get back to competing. You know, I know that I'm not sitting right here. Like, there's no fucking way those two things happen in the same timeline. So, yeah, who knows? You know, did I stay longer in a job that I didn't like? Did I, what else did I fucking hold on to? Or or did I just slowly get bitter and watch things kind of fade away as like I wasn't able to keep up as I got older? I don't I don't fucking know. I know this transition from one to the next being taken from me was kind of helpful. Mm-hmm. You know, I can have gratitude for that decision being made and me not having to say, hey, I retire. You're very careful about what you're right now going forward in terms of your life that you don't... Yeah, for damn sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very aware that... Yeah, man, those days in front of me are fucking limited. I don't want to waste any of them. What's the what's the non-negotiables on that chapter? What's what's the non-negotiables in your life or things you tend to avoid? Um, things I tend to avoid. Yeah, I don't fucking deal with people that <sighs> bitch and moan. There's a difference between two friends venting and sharing, right? Even if you don't need me to solve any of your problems and you just need to vent and share. But there's a difference in between that and constantly bitching. And bitching is pointing the blame at someone else. Venting is taking fucking ownership of it, but admitting that you're getting your ass kicked and you need to blow off steam. Those are two big fucking different things. Um, so non-negotiable is like, I've got people that I deal with in that regard. You know, that I either fuck with people that are in the same planet as me that that operate that way. And if the people that operate out of what I would call malicious intent. You know, if there's ever someone that I catch saying a thing or doing a thing or taking an action with the intention of causing me harm, right? We went back to this, like, when I was talking about this way that me and Bonnie communicate in our relationship and, like, this fucking non-negotiable rides all the way to the end with me. And it is, I can accept us miscommunicating and forgive that. But if I realize and catch it being malicious that you were being a dick or you did something to put your fucking journey in front of mine and your self-importance was better than whatever mine had. Fuck you. We're done. We don't ever need to fucking talk again. I got your fucking number. It would take a real big change out of a person for me to swing back on that one. I've yet to experience it. (laughs) Uh, Hope you fucking don't for the sake of them. Yeah. And man, it, it doesn't take much. I can catch a sniff of it early and just say like, oh, okay, we're good. You're, you're a person that operates that way. 
that when you're hurt or damaged or any of this thing, you fucking attack instead, instead of like want to help and share and get through. Mm-hmm. Um, so that type of shit I don't deal with. Um, I am aware at this point in my life, like I need movement every fucking day. And if I don't like left to my own devices, man, my base self is super fucking isolating and really lazy. (laughs) He's really fucking lazy, but man, he is also mentally really fucking bad and dangerous. And so like, I've got to keep that fucking asshole tired. And so part of that movement every day is I'm just building strategy to not let that motherfucker get the wheel. That keeps that darkness at bay for me. Some of those days need a harder challenge than others, but it seems to always be a part of the recipe. Um, now that winter is kind of trying to fucking pass, I'm trying to be outside more. More fresh air, more open stuff, that type of shit. Like, I need to do more road trips coming up and do some more camping, so I'm stoked we're, we're heading out tonight to go camp. Um, cold tub, sauna, those are as close to every day as I can make them. Um, I think both of those things give me an opportunity mentally with my mindset to approach a thing that's going to suck. And the sauna is really nice until it's not. There's a point when the sauna gets fucking really ugly and the alarm bells are fucking going off in your head saying, get the fuck out of here, we're in danger. And they're not true. There's so much more that you can access and deal with past that point. And I like being able to touch that line every day to remind myself that we don't have to listen to the alarm flags. Same with the cold. It just happens in a different way. Also helps with downregulation and everything else it does for me, right? Like, so those things are the big non-negotiables. Um, and just how that transfers onto everything else in your life. Everything else, right. And like most of that stuff I can kind of get done with my morning routine as well as with journaling really is kind of a daily non-negotiable at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, just being able to build a deeper awareness and conversation with myself. Because if I'm going to lie to me, I'll fucking lie to you. And that's an unacceptable thing for me to be. Yeah, that's a good way to put it actually. I journal every morning as well, yeah. A similar similar routine bar the sauna but uh, you work out as well every day oh yeah to some extent you know I don't know what that'll be like today I'll probably spend a lot of time on the treadmill I'm just kind of enjoying like a long moving as we're we're kind of gearing up for the end of May doing this uh, 27 mile hike we host uh, here in St. Louis or it's a little south of here but it's uh, we'll camp the night before kind of hang out have community hit this 27 mile hike and then camp again. And it's fucking day, man. It is a full 12 hour of nonstop movement. And so pretending that I'm always just in go shape for that is crazy. So like I've got to get my feet seasoned and start fucking moving. So today is spending some time in the gym on my feet, walking on the treadmill, watching movies. Sweet. You know, watching movies or podcasts or spending that time as conductively as I can for what do I want to learn? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. What are men? What are men uh, lacking or missing today, in your perspective? Accountability. Accountability. Yeah, accountability, and I would say that's fucking people, dude. I don't think it's a just a male thing. Do you mean it's, personal accountability or accountability from someone else, or accountability from someone else? Personal they, accountability. They, to, no, just personal accountability to yourself. Personal accountability to someone else is fucking great, but fuck all that. Hmm. Now that's now I'm dependent. 
I'm depending on you to fucking hold me to my standard. Like that's horseshit. Like have do, accountability do, do, for your own shit. Do you not believe that they need that level of accountability until they can become accountable to themselves? Absolutely. Look, I, I think it helps, right? I do think that there's methods for getting there. I don't believe like having coaches or doing any of that is a real fucking problem. I think it's all great. I love the men I'm helping, but if you're asking me what I believe their problem is, the problem is a lack of fucking accountability to yourself. It's a lack of accountability to that fucking voice inside of you that says, I don't want to do this or I do want to do this and find the things that you want to fucking put all your effort into and quit bullshitting yourself with a bunch of other things that you believe were going to be safe. Yeah. So you're just basically tolerating, tolerating your own, your own bullshit. Yeah, no fucking way. Mm. It's unacceptable. You know, and that allows you to take accountability for everything. Because when you see other people doing that, right, like through that accountability, you learn a lot about yourself. That if everything's on me, that means that that's how I interpret things. That's how I listen to conversation. That's not just my fucking physical health, but my mental health too. You know, what are the actionable things I do to actually, you know, help myself? What am I doing to put my own oxygen mask on? You know, there's accountability to that. Like, you need someone else to fucking tell you to not eat like a piece of shit. Yo, it's it's your life and you're fucking dying. You know, realize that you can take the wheel because no one else can for you. Like, that's the thing that needs to be solved. Now, having groups and having mentorships and having all that type of stuff, that's a fucking great way to get it. That's a great way to get it. It's to start being around other fucking men and other people that have that in their life. And get to see that, like, holy shit, you can really operate that way. Holy shit, you can communicate with yourself that way and you're not, I don't know, a pussy or fucking whatever else I believed it to be at some point, right? Like, I mean, I can remember thinking all this self-help stuff is such fucking trash. Such fucking hippie trash. And then through that process, right, of like trying the things and like, you know, cannabis kicking open this door of like, well, fuck, I didn't know anything about that. I was completely wrong in my assumption of what I thought this was. And so the next time I remember having some thought, right, that fired up this old mechanism, this old part of me that's like, this is such bullshit. I caught it. And I'm like, yo, you've never fucking read one book. You've never read one self-help book. You've never listened to one person talk. You've never attended one thing. Why don't you shut the fuck up? Either go do it and prove it doesn't work and give it your all or quit talking about it. Because you don't know. And I was really fucking wrong. And I've found myself to be really wrong on a lot of occasions. But that means I have to be able to say at some point, like, yo, I fucked that up. I'm really sorry. I, With the information I had then, I didn't know. But since, I went and did this, got exposed, and I was wrong. Is the cannabis... really tough one for people. Is the cannabis still, still a thing in your life today? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You still use it on a consistent basis to yeah, yeah. access information every day. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. It also helps a little bit reduction in pain. I find it also helps a little bit more with flow state for me. So. What is the, uh, what do those ventures or ventures into the wood look like to you? Those times, those times mm-hmm. alone? They're times to just really slow down. Like, I mean, look, we know all the information about, like, spending time in nature and the green space and what that does for mental health and how that changes the chemical composition in your head and all these type of things. And so I believe that frequency, whatever that is, that is the woods, whatever the vibe there is, right, that, like, you know, I align with it and it makes me feel really good. Grounded, would you say? Yeah. 
yeah, just present and in it and away from my fucking phone and less distracted from looking at a screen and more time for Bonnie and I to lay around and read books and lounge with each other and just do whatever in a world that we're the only two humans that exist on it. With a tent? With a tent. You know, if we want to walk around naked for a bit, we can walk around naked. If we want to fucking take naps, we take some naps. You know, just having this freedom to be. Mm. Um, yeah, so they're great. To be. Yeah, that's a powerful place to be. To be. Yeah, I like that, man. Well, look, this has been a very insightful and inspiring conversation, my man. I hope so. I hope not too much just bl- rambling and off in no, no, directions. No, no, man. There's value there. Thank you so much. And there's further value to be gained from your, especially from your Instagram. I know that's where I found you. So where can all the good men of this podcast listening to this find your good self and yeah, learn so more about you? Me at, um, my Instagram is Matthew P. Vincent. Uh, also, more of my mindset, coaching, that type of stuff is not dead yet life. Um, I run a coaching group there. We do a meeting every week where I do a call and we, we chat. I've also got some other uh, coaches in the group that take some other calls throughout the week to help keep guys accountable, to help keep people on pace, to help meet a community of people that are as interested in change and progress in their lives as you are. And so, you know, building that community was, is really important. Um, so that's where we manage all that. Uh, my brand is not dead yet.com and, uh, you can check out all of our stuff, man. We make the best shorts of all time. <laughs> yeah. Our goat shorts, man. They're, uh, they've been great. We, you know, stumbled upon what started as a really graphic graphic tees and everything else in 2014, and we now just make some of the best shorts ever made. Sweet, I'm gonna grab a pair of those, man. Thank you. Yeah, check them out, man. Let me know what you think. I think well, I think they're fucking good for everything. I use them for hiking and cycling and swimming and cold plunge and meetings and Zoom calls. Apparently, brilliant, <laughs> uh, <laughs> man. But no. yeah, they're the best. Deadly, man. Well, thank you, Matt. Uh, this has been a pleasure, and we will. Keep in touch. When you uh, arrive in Ireland, let me know, all right? Yeah, man. Cheers. I appreciate it. It's one of those places I haven't got to be yet. I've been close. Get there. Get there. I know it'd be so rude for me to be like, well, I've been to Scotland and, and England. That's basically the same. No. No, I know it is not. <laughs> I know it is not, my friend. Yeah, yeah. I would love to get to go. And if you're ever in the States, my friend, I'd love to have you. Yeah, that would be brilliant, man. That is on my bucket list for sure. Yeah, right on. Have you been over? Not since I was 16, not on a family, ho- family holiday to Orlando, yeah. Um, so, yes, I am overdue a trip to the States. And 90% of the guests I've had on this podcast are from the States. So I've built plenty of connections, plenty of places to stay over there if I do visit, so. Well, you got a place in St. Louis, man. Sweet. I appreciate that, man. Hang out. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Modern Warrior Podcast. If this episode has added value to your life, please share this episode on your social media platforms so that others too can gain the insight, information and inspiration that they need in order to move forward in their lives. For the time being, stay strong and keep fighting the good fight.